0: Oh, God. Our Father, for our Father, in our now Lord, in our name, Thy kingdom come,
1: Thy will be done, on and as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who
0: trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Our right for pockets of uh, okay. Uh, just as a quick review, we've done uh, the three sections of kind of the introduction to the catechism, and it's worked out. It wasn't my plan, but it's worked out because this is an introduction, 101, right? Uh, we're going to do catechism 102, which is going to be the creed, and 201, which is going to be the sacraments, and 202, which is going to be the moral life, and I guess we'll go up 301, why not? do your father in prayer, okay? So these are the, we're going to keep going with this. Um, in this first section, we talked about three things, okay? What were they? What was our, the first thing we talked about? Creation. Yeah, creation is what? What about creation?
1: the word
0: Well, we talked about man's search, right? Man's search by nature, right? Um his search for God, and as the Catechism says, as the scriptures say, God is revealed to us in creation, right? Um, and so just on a natural basis, we can come to know God through creation, okay? However, because of sin, and because of our senses tying us down to the physical world, we have a difficult time, and so God reveals himself in a supernatural way, okay? So we've been talking about revelation, and we talk about revelation as tradition, Okay, and it's scripture. Two ways that God reveals himself to us. Okay, and today we're going to finish up this scripture thing, and we got to get our third point, which is man's response to God's revelation in faith. Okay? Um, why don't you open up your catechism to paragraph 101. Paragraph 101. 101 and 102, Jennifer. Can you read that for us? In order to reveal himself to men in the condescension of his goodness, God speaks to them in human words.
1: Indeed, the words of God expressed in the words of men are in every way like human language. Just as the word of the eternal Father, when he took himself, when he took on himself the flesh of human weakness, became like men. Through all the words of sacred scripture, God speaks only one single word, his one utterance. He expresses himself completely. You recall that one and the same word of God extends throughout Scripture, that it is, that it is one and the same utterance that resounds in the mouths of all the sacred writers. Since he who was in the beginning God, with God has no need of separate syllables, for he is not
0: subject to the Okay, so they're talking about two
1: aspects
0: of God's revelation of himself, okay? First of all, God reveals himself in human terms, okay, according to a way that we can understand him, okay? He can reveal himself in all sorts of ways, but if we don't understand him, what good does it do? So right there in paragraph 101, God speaks to them in human words. Indeed, the words of God expressed in the words of men are in every way like human language, Okay, and so on. Secondly, this speech in human ways is given to us. You know, the, the, the speech of God is divine. Okay? It's given to us human ways, but it's divine speech, it's a divine word. And it says that word is one. Throughout all of Scripture, God speaks one word. What are they talking about? Jesus Christ. Through all of Scripture, he speaks his one word. Why do they say that? I mean, there's all sorts of words in the Bible. It's not like they just say Jesus over and over and over again. And so, go
2: ahead.
0: Jesus, is, uh, Jesus is the one who came in the
3: Father's man. Yes, that's that's true. Okay. And also because of um, if it's, if to it's one, then there isn't gonna be contradiction.
0: <clears throat> if it's one. I don't know, can't it can't Alright, alright. I think what they're talking about is simply the fact that the word of God is the expression of the Father, the perfect expression of the Father. <laughs> Okay? And it's that perfect expression of the Father, God's will, which pours forth from Him from all eternity, okay? His word which pours forth from Him for all eternity, which is revealed to us in the sacred scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament.
3: Oh, He's not other than
0: Himself. He, he's not other than Himself. Okay, And our Lord, as He stands incarnate before us, is the incarnate will of God, which is unchanging. Okay, That which was written on stone in the Old Testament, I've said this before, that which is written on stone in the Old Testament, stands before us in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, All of sacred scripture is God's communication to man of God's will for man. Jesus Christ is that incarnate will of God for man. Why do I say that? What is God's plan or will for man. What, is the, what, what can we say about it? God desires what? We that we be partakers of his divine nature. That was his plan in the beginning, and that's his plan to the Old Testament, and that is his plan in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that because Jesus Christ is both God and man. He is the incarnate Let me say example. Example is a poor uh, way to say it. Yeah, the incarnate expression of this desire of God. That's why we call him the new covenant of the New Testament. A covenant joins two parties together. In the Old Covenant, God desired man to be joined to Him. In the New Covenant, God desires man to be joined to Him. What's the difference? In the Old Testament, God said, this is how you do it. In the New Testament, God did it. Jesus Christ is both God and man. And therefore, He is the covenant joined together. Humanity and divinity joined together in the marriage covenant of God. Okay? We can look at Jesus Christ and see what man is supposed to be. Do you ever wonder what God plans for it, has planned for you? It? It any of us. Look at Jesus. Everything Jesus has done, He wants for me and you. Jesus rose from the dead. He wants us to rise from the dead. Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Look, Jesus, the Word of God never left the right hand of the Father. It's not like for 30, 33 years, the Father was missing the Word and couldn't speak. The Word never left the sight of God. Never left the mouth of God, if you will. But that Word became incarnate miraculously for our salvation and took our humanity and did with it what we could never do on our own. Namely, take it out of the tomb and walk it into the throne of God and enthrone it at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ is enthroned at the right hand of the Father and the reason that is a glorious mystery of the faith is because that's a man enthroned at the right hand of the Father. That is what He has planned for me and you. He wants us to sit on His throne for all eternity and see creation glorifying Him. Okay? What more could we want for, for a friend than to share what we have? Well, God will see for all, for all eternity all of his creation in perfect glorification of him. And so he takes us and he says, Friend, turn around and take a look. See through my eyes. We're going to talk about that in faith in our section on faith. All right. Turn to paragraph 106. And Jennifer, you can read for us again.
1: God inspired the human authors of the sacred books. To compose the sacred books, God chose certain men, who all the while, while well, all the while he included, employed them in this task, made full use of their own faculties and power so that though he acted in them and by them, it was as true, it was as true authors that they co-signed to the writing whatever he wanted written.
0: Okay, we're just going to look at a couple little things about Sacred scripture here, not because I don't think the sacred scripture important, as you know, but because I did a whole class, like a four-part series on like four of these paragraphs when I first got here a year ago. So if you didn't attend to that, I'm sorry. But we're only going to deal with a couple of points, and this is one of them. What does it mean that, this, that the uh, sacred scripture is the inspired word of God, or that the authors, uh, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Moses writing the Pentateuch, and so forth, are inspired by God, it doesn't mean that God took them like a puppet and wrote down by their hand everything he wanted to have written down. Not at all. He. What did he do? What is inspiration? It says right there. Explain it to me. What does it mean that God inspired a man to write?
3: He made full use of their own faculties and powers so that though he acted in them and by them, it was his true authors they consigned to writing
0: whatever he Okay. He takes the talents, the character, the customs, the way of writing, the whole person, and inspires them to write truly, but he doesn't get rid of their own their own faculties or capacity or talents. He lifts no, he does that with all of us in a certain way. He takes what we have, our talents as they are, and lifts them up to make them do what God wants them to do. That's what grace does for us. Okay? Notice the Catholic Church doesn't ever, doesn't say, you know, to to walk into a certain culture and say, you can't be that culture anymore. We're going to make you all this, just one exact thing. No. It takes the talents of the people and raises it up to the glory of God. And similarly with the sacred scriptures, the sacred writers wrote down, inspired to write down truth, inspired to communicate what God wanted to communicate to the world. But they had their own style about it. And that's why reading the scriptures is a lot of fun. Okay, Because you got to dig at it and find out who this guy is that's writing. But it's also a great challenge. You can't open up St. Paul and just put your finger there and start reading it. Ooh, I'm going to interpret it like that. It's got to be interpreted in the light of the history it was written in, for the people it was written for. What was the intention of the author? And if we can get the intention of the author in writing this text, we will be well on our way to understanding the text itself. Okay? Does that make sense? right. When you
3: say understand the intention of the author, can you also just say that's the same as understanding the intention of God? And that... Um... So that that's why it's
0: essential to understand why they're writing it? I'm not sure... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We could go. We could go deep into it. I mean, that's you could understand it that way, but I think for our purposes here, um, we would say that God's intention is the communication of with salvific plan. Uh-huh. He wants us to share His divine nature, and He's communicating this text to us for that reason. Okay. When we're talking about the human author, we got to include. All the characteristics going into that. Okay? Who's he writing to? Who's he intending to write to? Okay? So I'd say yes and no, because God's you could say God's inspiring this text to be for all of us, but when St. Paul's writing to Timothy, he's writing to Timothy, and I better understand that in order to get the proper understanding of what the text means. Okay? So otherwise I end up making broad claims about a text that were never intended to be written in that way. Okay. I take it out of the context of its historical writing, its historical intention, and give it a, another interpretation which may contradict that historical interpretation. I know we got into this a lot, so okay, all okay. right? all right. Um, finding about sacred scripture as a divine revelation. We have to move on, so uh, paragraph 111 this is just uh, another side point that's extremely important um, for us. So
3: Without, of but since sacred scripture is inspired, there is another and no less important principle of correct interpretation, without which scripture will remain a dead letter. Sacred scripture must be read and interpreted in the light of the same spirit by whom it was
0: written. Okay, there's a number of ways to understand that. But I think the best way, just from a very without getting into all the distinctions the Catechism goes on to make, we have to understand that the letters in the sacred scripture were written within a particular community. And this has something to do with the intention of the author also. Within a particular community, and it's within that particular community that it is intended to be read. If I'm writing my wife a poem, and I talk to her about all sorts of things that we share in common, and someone on the outside reads that poem, are they gonna understand what I'm talking about? No, I can guarantee you, I wrote my wife all sorts of poems that try to get her to marry me. <laughs> I haven't written her any sense, <laughs> But Um, sorry. um However, they of not Sorry. However, somebody reading all this stuff that we share in common, reading that, they might get little bits here and there right, but there's a lot they're not gonna get. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, a certain thing I share in common with her, experiences we have, a life we've lived getting to know each other, references I'm going to make. Okay? The spirit of God dwells in the body of Christ, and it was within the body of Christ, the church, that this text was written and intended to be read. These are letters to Christian communities, to Catholic communities in the early church who held certain things in common, a certain belief in common that was given. And if we read it outside of that context, we misinterpret the text. A great priest, I loves the phrase, the Bible was not written for the coffee tables of heretics. <laughs> okay, and it's absolutely true. The Bible was not written for those who do not share communion with us or a com- within the community of God can it help them yes it can help them was it intended to be written in that read in that context no i can misinterpret all sorts of things about scripture outside of the faith but when the eyes of faith are opened for me by Jesus Christ suddenly the interpretation of the text becomes clear okay what are some examples of that things that are classically catholic The papacy in Matthew 16, 18, where he talks to Peter. A Catholic reading the text, no problem. The church is founded on Peter. It's no problem. It wouldn't even occur to us to have a problem. It didn't occur to the early church to have a problem with it. The Eucharist in John 6. Nobody argued about John 6 in the early church because they're reading it within the community of faith, with the eyes of faith. Tim Gray had a great example on this point in a little article I read by him. He said... Reading it within the spirit in which it was written is like standing inside the church with stained glass windows. And when you read outside the spirit, you stand outside the church with stained glass windows. You ever looked into a stained glass window from the outside? Not to impress it, huh? Brown and really dreary. But you step inside and suddenly the whole thing comes alive. You can read the text. You can see all the colors. Okay. Similarly, the Bible was not written for the coffee tables of heretics. It was not written for, to be read outside of the community of the church. Properly speaking, the Bible is to be read in the church, within the believing community, in the act of worship. Does it mean we can't study it outside? Of? No, but I mean, that's its proper place, where the communication of God and man takes place most fully. Okay, does that make sense? Questions? Man's response to God in faith. I'm sorry I cut the scripture thing short. It's just we use so much scripture here. we got to get to all this. uh, Man's response to God in faith. Turn to John chapter 1, verse 12. While you're doing that, tell me, what is faith?
3: Belief in that which is unseen.
0: Alright. Anyone else? Someone else was going to say something before marrying in? (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me what it is. Something else. What are you gonna say? <clears throat> what is faith? We say we have faith. We say we have the faith. What is it? Trust. What To believe what trusted people have affirmed. me. We got two great answers. What else?
2: believing in God, oh, everything that
0: you cannot understand. Yeah. All right, believing in all those things you can't understand. Well, you can't use the word. I'm trying to define in sentences, defining it. So we got to work on that one a little bit. But fine, there's something, an aspect of it, of lacking of understanding. You see, chapter one. Yes, I'll get to that. Chapter one. I think
1: this is chapter too.
0: It's intangible, not, it's not right. always like you know, something that you have okay. to have to find that support of Okay. It's comes from a different source. Yeah. Okay, so it's something spiritual or supernatural. That's true.
2: Well, there's definitely an active part to it, I think. I mean, it's not just knowing something in your head, but like standing behind it with your convictions.
0: Okay, something you're very convicted about. That's also true. We're getting this great anything, I think it's all so this great. Yeah. Okay, so we're giving all sorts of aspects. That are actually true about faith. We just got to tie all those together. It was. Yes? The
1: convictions of things not seen.
0: The convictions of things not seen.
1: Something
0: you, something you can't prove. Good. Well, I'll tell you. We'll stop on that one. By the way, the Francis provided the food today. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> And what is back there. You want to, you know, for Acts of the Apostles. By the way, you know we're, we're taking a big break here. September 18th is our next one. I'm going to Nebraska. You can't find me there. <laughs> okay. Okay. The I'm a busy brother. I'm in my brother right now. Yeah. My dad's going, and so. Um. All right. John chapter one verse twelve. This is the prologue of John. We studied this together in the Gospel of John. We
2: did. Yeah.
0: What's that? It is the key to the whole gospel. It's the key to everything, right, in the scriptures. Alright. Go ahead.
3: But as many as received him, he gave them power to be made sons of God, to them that believe in his name.
0: Okay, those who believe in his name, and the English translation is kind of unfortunate, because in the Greek, those who receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave power to become the children of God. Okay. Um, belief is absolutely essential. Children of God. Again, we talked about sh- becoming sharers, partakers in divine nature, right? Children of God. When I become a children, a child of something. I share it in the nature of my father, right? So this is what it's talking about. In order to become a partaker in the divine nature, this this central plan of God, he said, you must believe. Read me the verse again. But
3: as many as him. he gave them power to be made the sons of God to them that believe in his name.
0: Okay. The Catechism gives us uh, two examples um, in the scriptures of icons of faith. The first one, what do you want to take a guess?
1: Abraham.
0: Abraham, the father of faith, right? God said, walk before me. He trusted in God. He did what God did, asked him to do. He went forward with no evidence. Okay, he constantly asked for evidence. God didn't give him much. Okay? And he trusted in God. Okay? Ultimately, he took his son to be sacrificed in trust. Okay, the church has always understood and interpreted that, by the way, that he trusted and believed that if he was willing to sacrifice his son, that God would resurrect him from the dead. And there's some evidence in the scriptures in the text itself for that. Okay, he believed that his son would return with him. Um and finally, who, who else in the New Testament? The Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay, why Mary? Why Mary? Blessed she
3: who has
0: believed. Right. That's true. Yes. Yeah. That, that the angel came to her. She believed in the word, the communication of God, and be it done unto me according to Thy word. Yes?
2: he became a mother of God because God doesn't hardly be his mother because he sells the son of be, 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 a, 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 a woman mm-hmm. because he knew his son sometime across one day to, to bring us back to himself.
0: Yeah, so he intended her from, he, he wanted her to do this and she submitted to it. Okay, but notice also that it was not something that he forced upon her right? It's something that she chose on her own with the grace of God okay? But she definitely partook of the decision okay? Turn to Luke chapter uh, 11 Luke chapter 11 It's an interesting passage that Bothered me in the past, but I uh, recently heard interpretations fantastic, so I thought I'd share with you. Chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven. Chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven. And he said to this, and he said this. No, uh, oh, sorry. As he said, sorry. As he said this, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, "Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breasts that gave you suck." But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Right? Blessed is Mary. He says, no. Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. She fell in that category, though. Yeah. Right? What's he saying? She's not blessed simply because she bore the Son of God. She's blessed for that reason too, but more importantly, because she heard the word of God, accepted it, and followed it in her life. Okay? She is blessed not because she bore me, as you're saying, but rather because she had faith in God, and therefore she was blessed by him. And therefore she bore me, in other words. Okay? Um, in the Catechism, paragraph 146. paragraph 146. We get the first uh, a, a definition we can work off of of sorts uh, from Hebrews chapter 11. Paragraph 146. Abraham thus fulfills the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. And so, some of you said conv- very uh, convicted of the, of what they didn't see as true. Okay? Assurance of things hoped for, conviction. and conviction of things unseen. Is faith an opinion or a guess? No. No, oftentimes we think of it that way, don't we? I, mean, faith, I have faith that that's true. Meaning what? I'm pretty sure it's true, but maybe there's a little bit that it's not true, okay? Faith is a slight chance, but I'm pretty sure it's true. It's a full persuasion. It comes from the Greek the word to persuade. Right. There is something about it that is a full conviction. We're gonna talk about that, and I just wanna put that out to you guys, that we times think of it like that, that guess we have, or eh, it's an inkling I have, or I'm pretty sure of it, I feel it in my heart. Right? I'm emotionally bad. I, I, I got inspired by it. Not at all. Not at all. Okay? Joseph P. Bruce, great philosopher, I'm going to quote him a couple of times here, says, Faith is to accept something unconditionally, unconditionally, as real and true on the testimony of someone else. Who understands the matter out of his own knowledge. Okay. To accept something unconditionally as real and true on the testimony of someone else who understands the matter out of his own knowledge. Okay. So there's three things we're dealing with here we're dealing with the believer. Okay. We're dealing with, what's our next thing we have? Who's the believer look to?
1: Someone else.
0: Yeah, someone who knows. A knower. What's our third point we have to look at?
3: The thing known.
0: Yeah, the thing known. Goes on to say that the believer does not know the subject at all. Subject, the thing. No. He does not have first-hand knowledge of the thing, he is believing in. The believer possesses no exact knowledge of the thing he believes. What do you say, right. Jennifer? I don't know. I just keep thinking of the whole Protestant thing. I don't your personal organization. <laughs> <So. laughs> Jennifer's a convert. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean,
1: you eventually... But you're right. you don't know him. Faith, you know.
0: Well, what do we know? How about this? What do we know about faith in the kingdom to come?
1: That
3: it passes away. It passes see away. It. Why? Because you see or you know a thing,
0: right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the virtue of faith, what other virtue passes away in heaven? Hope. Hope. Why? Because you have the thing you hoped for, and you see the thing you had faith in. Okay? And so, all of those things pass away. But in this life, where belief and faith is still present, the believer must accept something on the basis of one who sees or knows. This is true even on the natural level when we talk about history. How do I know Plato existed? Well, for the most part, I got to rely upon someone who saw him, someone who saw the guy who saw him, someone who saw him, you see know what I'm saying? All the way back till it reaches me. We do all this all the time. I mean, people that have a problem with faith in uh, things about Christianity. You know, it's like we have faith in all sorts of things. Okay? But we're talking about supernatural faith. We're, not, we're talking about more the revelation of God Himself in a supernatural way. Okay? And in this case, we have faith. We see through another's eyes, if you will. Turn to John chapter 1, verse 18. Don't read it, guys. Just turn there. You're already there, probably. Chapter 1. St. Thomas Aquinas says Belief cannot refer to something that one sees, and what can be proved, likewise, does not pertain to belief. It cannot pertain to something I see or it can prove. Okay? So we're starting to get develop a little bit of an understanding, a little bit of the definition of faith, a little bit of understanding what it is. Okay. Chapter one, verse eighteen.
3: No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him.
0: Okay. As we saw in the Gospel of John, those who went through the Gospel of John with me, the Gospel of John is all about this paradigm, all about this scene. That Jesus Christ is the one who sees the Father. We don't see him. And therefore, who do we have to trust? Who do we have to believe? Jesus Christ. Over and over again in the Gospel of John, the Jews are saying, Lord, we know. Right? Remember Nicodemus. We know who you are. Right? He says, Nicodemus, you don't don't have a clue who I am. I'm going to say that, but okay. Okay? He says, you cannot see the kingdom of God right, unless you are baptized by water and the Spirit. Okay, born again of water and the Spirit. Okay. Unless you enter into me, have faith in me, stand in my shoes, for I am the only one who has seen the Father. The only one who has ascended the, the Father is the one who has descended from the Father. So Jesus Christ stands in a unique position for us. I was just talking to a lady today, um, a Jewish lady, who was thinking about joining us for RCIA. And she was struggling with this, that, that, yeah, all these things, whenever we have faith in somebody, on the surface, we're always trying to have natural things, things that it's possible for them to know, right? Uh, I, have, I have faith that DNA exists. All right, but, you know, I mean, I'm just reading magazines and stuff. I have faith in some sense in the scientists who see it or doing whatever they've done okay, or that whatever about trees or whatever it may be. And I said, yes, but there's something unique that we have. And that is in Jesus Christ, we have someone who by nature sees God for he is God himself. It is natural for him to see the divine. And it is natural for him to communicate it to man. Because he is both God and man. So we have in our Lord a unique position. One who can reveal to us things which we could never find out. Things we could never see on our own. We begin to see through him that he can reveal to us. Okay, Turn your catechism to um, paragraph 150. And you want to read that? Paragraph 150 and
2: 151? Faith is, first of all, a personal adherence of God, a man to God. At the same time and inseparably, it is a free ascent to the whole truth that God has revealed. As personal adherence to God and ascent to his truth, Christian faith differs from our faith in any human person. It is right and just to entrust oneself wholly to God and to believe absolutely what he says to place such faith in a creature. For a Christian, believing in God cannot be separated from believing in the one he sent, his beloved Son, in whom the Father is well pleased. God tells us to listen to him. The Lord himself said to his disciples, believe in God, believe also in me. We can believe in Jesus Christ because he is the only one who knows him and can reveal
0: him. Okay, so we just confirm that, what you were saying. We believe what he says, the thing he talks about, okay? And we believe him. Okay, so there are these two aspects. two aspects. That which is revealed, we accept what he says, okay? And we accept what he says because of who he is. Alright? Another aspect of the faith that we have to add to it that someone mentioned, Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Uh 16 verse uh 17, is that right? Yeah, well no, we'll go back to uh, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that the son of man is? And he said to him, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjola. For flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Okay? Faith is a gift. What our Lord is saying is that Peter could never, and none of us, could have ever come to the full realization, the full acceptance of who Christ is without the gift of God that God is the one that grants us the gift of faith to see in Jesus Christ supernatural things. Yes. Excuse me, is that why um, Jesus said, to St. Thomas, promise, you have seen and you believe, bless all those who have not seen and still believe? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
1: Chris, um, yeah. I got a piece of love after that?
0: He got a few more after that, that's right, okay. Uh, similarly with Nicodemus, our Lord says the same thing. Nicodemus, you're working on your own terms here. It's not until God grants it to you that you're going to get anything. Okay, It's not until God grants you the gift of faith that you're really going to start to be able to see. Okay, Turn to John 6, similarly in that text. John, John 6, uh, verse 44. you guys this is a famous uh, bread of life discourse on the Eucharist verse uh, go back to 41. 41 the Jews then murmured at him because he said I am the bread which came down from heaven and they said is this not Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how does he now say I have come down from heaven those that did the gospel of John Bible study with me what's the problem here
3: they know
0: where yeah, they're using their own faculties, their own human faculties to judge Jesus Christ, to judge God himself, the one who is to judge them. And ultimately, if we use our own human faculties to judge that which is above us, higher than us, we ultimately fall short in our determination of what we're looking at. Verse 42, they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father, mother, and no. mother? They give him a natural, a natural origin. How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not murmur among yourselves, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay. So faith is a gift of God. And something we should think—how many of you don't thank God for that? Very yeah. often, the faith He's given us, the the eyes of faith which He's revealed to us. Okay, but He's given it to each of us, and it is a, a pure gift of His of His own. Nothing we worked for. We opened our heart to it, but He freely bestows it. But how would
2: you sort of argue uh, against the idea that that God has just redoes the fact that? give you the gift of faith, and this one over here,
0: I'm not giving the gift of uh, Yes. How do we understand that? Anyone? It's a tough question. Is he choosing one and not choosing another?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, because we have free will
0: all, but it's our free will to accept it. That's right the church has always taught, the scriptures are clear on this, that our Lord stands knocking at the door. And those that open the door to Him, He will come to them. Those, as the Gospel of John says, those who received Him, those who believe in His name, He granted the power to become children of God. Okay? In in the context of that, what's He talking about? He says He came into the world, the world did not know Him. He came into his own. His own did not receive him, but to those who receive him who believe in his name, he needed the power to become children of God. And so, God stands waiting for us to act in our lives. Why? Because He wants us to share in His divine nature. Not one or two of us, but all of us. And now it's a matter of us opening our hearts to Him. And it's true, you know, we'll, we stand here. Well, we're Catholic. We're doing all right, but that's not the, that's not the case that our whole life is a journey and a matter of working to open our hearts to Him. Right? That's what Lent and Advent especially are about, is this time of serious preparation to learn how to open our hearts more fully to Him. Okay? Paragraph 53. Oh, uh, 153, I'm sorry. Paragraph 153. I'm sorry, uh, Catechism paragraph. Catechism got the church. All right, Jennifer, go ahead.
1: When St. Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus, Jesus declared to him that this revelation did not come from flesh and blood, but from my Father who is in heaven. Faith is a gift of God, a supernatural virtue used by him. For this faith to be exercised, man must have the grace of God to move and assist him. He must have the interior helps of the Holy Spirit who moves the heart and converts it to God, who opens the eyes of the mind and makes it easy for all to accept the truth. Yep, more than before. Faith is a human act. Believing is possible only by grace and the interior helps of the Holy Spirit. But it is no less true that believing is, is an authentically human act. Trusting in God and believing to the truth revealed are contrary neither to human freedom freedom, nor to human reason. Even in human relations, it is not contrary to our dignity to believe what the other person tells us about themselves and their intentions or to trust their promises. For example, when a man and a mare, man and a woman married to share a union of life with one another. If this is so, still less it is contrary to our dignity to yield by faith the full submission of, into life and will to God who
0: reveals and to share an interior communion with him. Okay. Maybe the end of the paragraph. In faith, the human intellect and will
1: cooperate with divine grace. Believing is an act of the intellect sent to the divine truth by command of the will
0: moved by God and grace. Okay. So the catechism is saying, look, this is not just an irrational act, which is another one of those things. Like, there's the aspect about, well, it's kind of guessing. Okay. And then I'm not in faith. It's the man who has faith is not using his reason. He's studying his reason it's like, Not at all. Okay? It's not an irrational act. And the reason it's not an irrational act is because there is a reason why I'm assenting to what this person is saying. Okay? And there's two reasons why I'm assenting to what they're saying. What's the first reason? Inactive. We'll just put Jesus here. Jesus is the knower. He's the one that sees. Okay, Why do I trust Jesus. Yeah, because he's God. So on authority. Okay? We have faith, and it's not irrational, because of the authority of the one speaking. Okay? Because of what they know, and the pos- unique position they're in, I entrust myself to them.
3: But you have to know that. It's kind of a circular argument, because if you don't necessarily
0: believe that Jesus is God... Aha! Uh-huh. I'm going to break that circle. That's a good point. That's a very good I mean, point. That's right. That's a very good point.
2: I can't have yeah. faith if I don't believe that Jesus is God. Yeah, right. If I don't believe that Jesus is God, I don't have to believe what
0: he says. That's a good point. There's another reason, and this is your answer. There's another reason that I believe, and not just on authority, but I believe that it's not irrational because of what I am seeing. Because of the evidence I see, you know, and what, what, what am I talking about? There's a theological t- term for this. What is it? Motives of credibility. Thank you. I, I memorized it in Latin was in school. So motives of credibility. Credibility. Is that you spell credibility? Okay. Anyways,
3: close it up um, it's right in here what is
0: it there it is alright what are these motives of credibility
3: what is it that
0: makes my faith in Jesus Christ not just a circular argument and not irrational and the church says there's certain motives of credibility what are they Miracles. Yeah, miracles. Give me an example of a miracle that would, by my reason, i could look at it and go, there's something going on here. This guy's got something I don't have. He stands in a unique position, and I'm not standing in it. Fish and loaves. Cana. Yeah, he multiplies the fishes and loaves. What else? Cana. The, wedding. the wedding of Cana. What else? Lazarus. Yeah, the resurrection of Lazarus. I'm telling you, if I stand, oh, I hope if I stand there, it's wow. All right, here comes a guy out of the tomb. What else? This is all trust and All right. That's true. lost people. All right, conversion of lost people. There's modern. There's even modern miracles, aren't there? Okay. There's all sorts of evidence. Let's take a look at the paragraph one fifty six. External proofs. One fifty six. Marianne, go ahead.
3: What moves us to believe is not the fact that revealed truths appear as. In the light of our natural reason, we believe because of the authority of God Himself, who reveals them, we can neither deceive nor be deceived. So that the submission of our faith might nevertheless be in accordance with reason, God will that external proofs of His revelation should be joined to the internal helps of the Holy Spirit. Thus, the miracles of Christ and the saints, prophecies, the Church's growth and holiness, and her fruitfulness and stability are the most certain signs of divine revelation adapted to the intelligence of all. They are motives of credibility which show that the ascent of faith is by no means a blind impulse of the mind.
0: Okay, so they're saying there's certain evidences we have, and not just in the early church, but even today, with the, with the historical reality of the church as it exists and all sorts of other things. There's all sorts of lists of motives of credibility. Okay, so that our, our faith is not irrational. Okay, now, we're running out of time, so we gotta get to the point here. When we say that Jesus knows or Jesus sees, I've taught you guys about this. What is knowledge? I've given the definition a hundred times. Knowledge is the union of the knower and the known. When I know something, I am united to the thing I know. I become one with the thing I know so that I can now close my eyes, separate myself from the world, and I have within me the knowledge that I have. I come to know my wife. I am united. It's what we call carnal knowledge between a man and a woman okay? Because the two are united together in the flesh. The two become one. Similarly in knowledge, two become one when we come to know something. And so when we say that Jesus Christ sees the Father, Jesus Christ is united, is made one with the Father. And now my goal is to see Jesus Christ, to come to know Jesus Christ and be united to Jesus Christ so that I am united through Jesus Christ to God Himself. Humanity and the divinity are joined together in the act of faith. Okay? The Catechism talks about that in reference to, to marriage. Matthias Schieben, uh, a philosopher, writing in 1950, says this it's beautiful Ascent of the intellect to the witnessed truth takes place only to the extent that the will seeks and wishes to bring about consent or agreement with the judgment of the speaker. Judgment of the speaker, Jesus. Participation in and communion with his insight, or in other words, a spiritual communion with him. The will seeks this union as a good and thus motivates the intellect to accept the insight of the witness as if it were its own. And then Sheba goes on to quote St. Thomas. So that the believer stands in the same relation to that which the other knows and which he does not know as it does to that which he knows himself. Read that sentence again from St. Thomas. So that the believer stands in exactly the same relationship to that which the other knows, that which Jesus knows, and which I do not know, as I do to that which I know myself. Okay? And that
3: being the knower, or just things that one does
0: know. Yeah, why well, I know otherwise. So that in the act of faith, in some way, Become, I stand in the shoes of Jesus Christ and I stare through his eyes so that his eyes become my eyes. And in that union with Jesus Christ, God himself is revealed to us. And we are granted the eyes of faith to see that which we could never see before. Okay? Okay. Goes on, Or this is The believer partakes truly of this reality. He touches it, and it becomes present to him all the more. So the more he is capable by loving identification with the witness of seeing with the latter's eyes and from his position. Okay? The first Vatican Council says, We believe that the revelation is true, not indeed because the intrinsic truth of the mysteries is clearly seen by the natural light of reason, but because of the authority of God who reveals them. For he can neither, neither deceive nor be deceived. Okay? In the act of faith, we join ourselves to Jesus Christ. It is not an irrational act. In fact, it's very much a rational act. Okay? And in coming to know Jesus Christ, we come to know that which Jesus Christ knows. And through His eyes, the Father is revealed to us. And when we come to know something, we are joined to it. And when we come to know God Himself, we become a partaker in His own life. Partakers in the divine nature. Okay? Questions? Hey, that's kind of heavy-duty stuff right now. Alright. We'll finish with that because I'm over I'm out of time and we pretty much finished what I wanted to cover. Okay, let's conclude in prayer. If you may have any questions, please feel free to come up and talk to me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Our Lady, Seat of wisdom. Prayer, and You know, we've just saw me. Thank you guys very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you.